SNL with Matthew McConaughey is over, but we're just getting started here on Saturday Night Live, live here on Post Show Recaps. And now, here are the two guys who are ready to say, okay, okay, okay. I'm Rob Sestero. Here's Rich Tackenberg. Rich, how are you? I am good. I'm good, Glad Glad to have you back. Great to see you again. Yes, I am back after uh, a week of paternity leave from the SNL podcast. But now here I am back to talk about the Matthew McConaughey episode of SNL. And uh, thanks to Mike Bloom for filling in for me to talk about uh, last week's episode of Saturday Night Live with you. And uh, I do appreciate that. But I'm happy to be back. Glad to have you back. Although it was very fun to have Mr. Bloom here. Yes. But good to have you back. Yes. All right, Rich. So here we are ready to talk about uh, the one of the uh, last SNLs out of this run here in November. Uh, mm-hmm. And now we are ready to go with Matthew McConaughey hosting in a episode uh, filled with all sorts of stuff going on uh, from this week. How you doing? Good, good. I mean, I felt like this was a solid episode. I thought uh, not one for the record books. Uh, you know, a lot of interesting choices, a lot of odd, interesting nuances that they made in this one. Uh, you know, a couple of, couple of sketches I think that we saw here that were a little predictable once we sort of knew what the sort of game in the scene was early on. But overall, a very enjoyable show, a, a fun 90 minutes. Okay. So uh, we are going to get into everything. Of course, we're here on postshowrecaps.com. You can subscribe to our postshow recaps feed, postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes, or for SNL only, postshowrecaps.com slash SNL iTunes to make sure you don't miss an episode of our SNL podcast. All right. So uh, let's let's jump into this. Let's start with our cold open, which was the Fox and Friends. Now, Rich, when was the last time that we got the Fox and Friends cold open? It was earlier this season, right? It was very recently. It was on the Amy Schumer episode in October 10th. So we very surprising for a non political based press conference uh, debate kind of thing to be done again so quickly. So it was, it was really just a few episodes ago, uh, you know, having not seen them for an entire season, very surprising to see them back so soon. Yeah, we're back with them. And I actually thought that this started out pretty good. I actually liked everything that was going on here before we got to uh, the, the guests. I felt like the, uh, Debbie Wasserman thing. I feel like did they do that on October 10th? Also, they did. They they introduced that character in October. Um, and I, you know, I don't know if it was necessarily worthy of bringing back. And this is another one. They know that the audience doesn't necessarily know who she is. They're sort of just creating a character. Some funny lines that I always like. Kate McKinnon a cold open. I think she brings a lot of energy to it. I don't know that we needed to see this again. Uh, I I don't know if we necessarily needed that. Yeah. So she's back. Uh, and so is the uh, Jay Farrow, uh, Ben Carson. After last week, he was the young Ben Carson. I guess that was such a hit. He got promoted to regular Ben Carson as well. Yes. Yes. So we're seeing sleepy eyed uh, Ben Carson. Uh, you know, again, I think this is a, a hard impression to have a lot of fun with. Um, although I really, really like the line when they were talking about how he doesn't get mad and he described himself as a koala bear. He said, I seem nice on the outside, but on the inside, I've never held elected office. I thought that was a great great line uh so fun fun little kickoff with him yeah Yeah. i actually do like the jay farrow ben carson oh good good i think it's been pretty it's been pretty fun uh back-to-back weeks and i actually think it's a lot funnier than the jay farrow obama impression well yeah i think there's more to make fun of here and that's it's you know it's really telling how little we've seen of obama all season long and and i think we're going to see more of of people like ben carson i was surprised we didn't have a donald trump sighting of uh taron killam in this episode but overall, uh, yeah, it was, cute. it was definitely a cute bet. Yeah. Anything else about the Fox and Friends before we get to the elephant in the sketch? 
Yeah, well, I would say, though, uh, you know, uh, you know, so much of the sketch is about Brian Kilmeade just being dumb. Uh, sometimes they work. Sometimes they're just clunkers. But boy, did Bobby get me when he talked about Syria and he said, Syria has been nothing good to me. And he picked up his phone and said, hey, Syria, let's locate in the nearest bathrooms. That really made me laugh. I thought that was hilarious. So I think that was to me, that was the funniest line of the sketch. Yeah, I also like the all Fridays matter. That was pretty clever also. Yes, yes, that was cute, too, as well. Yeah, but Rich, typically the highlight of Fox and Friends is all of the corrections that roll past the screen. We've been talking about it for years. Yes. Instead, they just went to Leslie Jones, uh, a la, you know, stat boy on pardon the interruption. It's like, hey, what do we get wrong? Like uh, so much stuff. And that was it. Yeah. Fox and friends without the corrections is it's that's kind of like having Bill Hader guest host and not do Stefan. I understand the desire to want to take a breath every once in a while, especially having just done it in October. But yeah, you can't. I mean, it was such a letdown. I was definitely, you know, such a bummer. The Leslie Jones thing I, I didn't think worked at all. And uh, and I'm guessing it was not a time issue unless they rewrote this super quickly, because those corrections are the kinds of things that people can be writing till 1129 p.m. and just feeding to, to, you know, to the to the graphics team. So I I really think it was a choice that they were making to try to divest themselves a little bit. And uh, ooh, that is a tough one, because I, I thought that was great. Was there anything about going into the opening credits that they felt like maybe they didn't like that? Like they liked Fox and Friends as a good opener, but they maybe they felt like it wasn't working to have the corrections coming after live from New York at Saturday Night Live? Well, you know, the way that they've done it before is not only do you have the corrections scrolling by very quickly, but you usually have Bobby Moynihan doing something very stupid over the the scroll and then they can come back and come to it. So, uh, you know, I understand for the live audience, it's sort of a pause because remember the studio audience, they can't pause it. They can't read that scroll. So they're just like, okay, whatever. And then, you know, and then they're trying to go to, you know, the live from New York. So, uh, but, but yeah, I, I think that they just thought, you know what, th- this is a strong enough sketch. We don't need to do it every time. Let's start breaking the format a little bit. I suspect we will not see another Fox and Friends without the corrections for in a long time. I think it's going it to return to form very soon. You think that they are getting uh, their ass handed to them on social media? Where are our corrections? Yeah, exactly. I think I think you can't deliver without the corrections. It's such a fun part of the show and such a letdown to not have it. Okay, so let's get into uh, Matthew McConaughey coming out and his monologue. And I thought this was one of the most unusual monologues we've seen in a while yeah. here on Saturday Night Live. It was Matthew McConaughey was hosting The Moth this week. It was great to, <laughs> we're just doing a little storytelling thing. I, You know, it was great. You know, but I really like this. I mean, Matthew McConaughey's not a comedian. I don't need to see a musical number. I don't need to see him take questions from the audience. You know, he's not, you know, so how many different formats can we have? So I, I don't even know if this was necessarily the most compelling story but i just thought it was really fun it was just like oh let's do something different it was a very fun energy it was a really different kind of vibe he told a really cute story we all knew what the payoff which was going to be and that's okay and then we were okay 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 so i really liked it i i really i thought this was well done and it was really fun yeah i was just okay 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 on it because (laughs) I really I thought there was going to be like some great punchline or anything. Is it a little bit of a one man show of of like, you know, the off Broadway Matthew McConaughey story. And it, that's fine. I mean, I just uh, my expectations were not set correctly. 
Okay, I, I could see that. Uh, for me, I liked my expectations uh, being a little bit different. I didn't expect more from it. So I kept uh, waiting for like you know there to be some big laugh that never came. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't expect that. I kind of got the sense that this was just going to be. Well, he's telling the origin story of that line. Okay, all right, let's play it out. Do you like Mark's idea of calling it the McConalogue? Yes, I uh, huge props to Mark for that. The McConalogue, I like okay. it. Number one contender for the hashtag uh, so far. Okay. Yep. Uh, then this is probably the sketch that has gotten the most buzz uh, today after the show aired last night is the Thanksgiving with the Adele uh, hello song. Yeah. So, you know, in spirit, a real kindred spirit to the season 37 sketch live sketch uh, from Emma Stone's episode, the someone like you, where every time uh, someone they someone hears that song, they start crying and eating ice cream. And uh, and I feel like this was sort of the, the take on that. You know, and I will say we'll get into this a little bit with James Keast. I like the new Adele song. I don't think that there is as much buzz as the media is making it out to be. You know, everyone talks about how this that other people love this song. Mainstream media trying to push Adele down our throats again. I don't know any. Everybody likes the song. It's a very good song. I don't know everybody, anybody who loves this song. It's like we all want to love the new Adele song, but I don't know that we really do. And I felt like that sort of came from me into this. It was a very funny premise, very well executed. Uh, little one note, sort of just sort of, you know, over and over again with the same thing, which was okay. Um, but I thought, you know, odd in that Adele was there, but we didn't see Adele in the sketch. So that was odd to me was also odd that we had, you know, a a run of a song that we're then going to hear the musical guests do in about an hour or or even less. Um, and the fact that uh, it, it probably just wasn't as holding up for me, but, but, but fun. I'm glad to, I'm glad to see that, you know, they did it and certainly they did it well. You know what I thought was really odd was that it was a very similar setup to the sketch where Beck Bennett was singing karaoke yes, last week. And he's similarly positioned at the head of the table and he's similarly uh, mustachioed, the same mustache, almost like yeah. the same character as in that sketch. I thought that that was a really weird, like, uh, like I, it took me out of it a little bit. I was like, is this supposed to be the same thing? I thought the exact same thing early on. I thought, oh, this is a little confusing. Like, oh, are we doing a, a take on that? I wasn't sure if that was the same character. Yes, exactly. I had the same experience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, we get to everybody uh, giving their, you know, controversial hot takes at the uh, dinner table. I had Thanksgiving. I did say to uh, my wife this morning, I'm glad it's just going to be us for Thanksgiving. Uh, after watching this, uh, there will be few <laughs> hot takes besides uh, the well, at least there won't be any fights about politics at my house on Thanksgiving. Um, but somebody had said on Twitter this morning, and I don't have it in front of me that uh, they liked the idea for this sketch, but it went on probably about 90 seconds too long. Yes. Yeah, I think, well, at a certain point, it went from a parody of uh, people being overtaken at the dinner table to a parody of the song outside in the leaves and the setup and with with the coat and the whole thing. So it was just a very odd sort of like kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I agree. It definitely could have been shorter. Okay, well, 
Uh, unlike Fox and Friends, we will tell you when we get stuff wrong. Uh, Umberto in the chat is saying that Adele's album is breaking the record in sync set 12 years ago this weekend. I think people do love the song. Well, people are listening to the song, but that doesn't mean that they love the song. Now, I did see in the chat room a couple of people said that they love it and a couple of people say it's good, but I'm not going to cry in my car about it. And I think that that is the difference. I think it is no someone like you. I think that it'll play itself out that way. Okay, we'll see. And we'll get James uh, t- James's take on it in just a couple of minutes. All right. So let's talk about uh, sticking with music. Uh, let's talk about the uh, Keenan versus McConaughey singing the blues. Well, I will say that it was better than the uh, band Donald Trump was in as Gene <laughs> Red two years no ago. No laser harp? Yeah, there was no laser harp. That was good. Uh, Keenan was effectively playing the same character uh, just this time, you know, the blues version, Waylon Otis Elmore. Uh, my suspicion is that there was a swap. I, my, I, I know nothing, but this is what I'm going to guess. I think that this was a post-update sketch and that the game show, should you chime in on this, was going to be in this spot, this spot, first live sketch after the monologue, and that the, the, the game show did not do well. This got some more laughs, and then they, they swapped them. Okay. So did it get laughs from Rich Tackenberg? You know, it was it was definitely a one note joke in that once we kind of set up, oh, a white guy's in a blues band. What does a white guy have to complain about? He's going to complain about his bad haircut. He's going to complain about his fantasy football team sucking. Um, it was sort of like, OK, I kind of know where this is going. That said, I thought Keenan was very funny. I thought that he I thought that McConaughey did a very serviceable job. So I did. I did laugh. I, I found this was amusing enough and I liked they mixed it up a little bit where he's becoming, you know, he's singing like he's the black guy, uh, you know, being, in, you know, in, intentionally racist in, in trying to be like a black guy. So a couple of twists that enough sort of kept me laughing. Uh, so I would say that I generally liked it, liked it, didn't love it, but it was it was a fun, a fun little run. What do you think about the ending to the sketch about how he worked at Facebook and then he didn't get any shares of the Facebook stock? You know, I don't I wouldn't say that I died laughing at it, but I liked that at least it was another it wasn't the same thing over and over again that they had a new twist to it. So I like I did like I will say I was very surprised. One of his lines was the idea of uh, getting out of a cab at the airport. And when the driver says, have a good flight, him saying you too. That is a classic 1997 Brian Regan bit of stand-up comedy that every comedy nerd knows. It is iconic. And I felt like that was probably not intentional. It was probably serendipity, but it felt like such a, a ripoff. I was very, was very like, how dare they take the Brian Regan bit and put it there? Well, they took uh, it. Yeah, they took it. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, I thought at least it kept the, the pace and kept itself moving. So I thought it was, I thought it was fun. Okay. All right. So then uh, I see in the chat room that 88 Finger says uh, this was Black Jeopardy combined with the Trump laser harp sketch. <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, that, you know, well, we'll, we'll talk about I'm going to mention Black Jeopardy when we get to uh, should you chime in on this? Definitely. Okay. Let's talk about the 3D printer. It's printing people. And uh, Matthew McConaughey is a person that was made by the 3D printer. Rich, what was your take on this? He was Bruce, the 3D printed man. Uh, I would say as a sketch on paper, I, I don't know that I would say the the written sketch was the most fun, but I thought this was a good performance piece. I thought that this was 
one of Matthew McConaughey's funniest pieces that he got to do. He really relished this, uh, the way that they sort of built it, that I just, you know, that who me, as for me, I got to say fight house. Like I thought he, he kind of played with it well enough that it was fun. By the time we got to the thing of them walking uh, and the, I thought that the, the Matthew McConaughey walk was really, really funny. Um, again, I agree with whoever said in the chat room, the premise of, uh, the premise made little to no sense. Uh, it was such a silly piece. And once you kind of got the, uh, you know, the idea of guess who the printed guy is, and then it's so obvious who it is, it, it didn't necessarily involve, but just watching McConaughey do it was, uh, I think worth the price of admission. I mean, but are we tackling anything new here that we didn't have equally as well done, if not better 20 years ago in multiplicity? Oh yeah. No, I mean, this is, this is not a well, I mean, I, for me, this was just, enjoying watching him do this and just the silliness of him do it. Uh, I don't think it stands up as a sketch. It was just fun to watch him. And and that was sort of it. Yeah. Now this one uh, is really like uh, checking my watch and like, how much longer is this going to go on for? And <laughs> yeah, I, that the, uh, you know, the walking uh, was fun, but it was just like, you know, it was pretty, you know, obvious early on, you know, what the joke was. And it was just, you know, yeah. a lot of repetition over and over again. Yes. No, definitely. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I probably liked it more than you. That's all right. Well, let's talk about the uh, Star Wars screen test. Another one that's been getting some buzz. And I think that this is a uh, pretty interesting one to talk about in terms of what was going on here, because we had we had our SNL cast. We had the cast of Star Wars. We had cameos. And of course, Rich, uh, this is a throwback to the original Star Wars screen test uh, sketch. And do you have a, a time stamp on when that was? I know Kevin Spacey. 1997. Was it was 97. 97. Kevin Spacey hosted uh, and it was hilarious. And I'm, by the way, does hold up if you go back and watch it. It is right. Now, this is a P. They, they did a Back to the Future screen test in 2010. They did the Top Gun screen test in 2011. But nothing matches the, the Kevin Spacey 97 because it was it was the aha moment that Kevin Spacey could be funny the same way that as our generation, the younger generation, seeing John Hamm from Mad Men come on SNL and be hilarious. This was the, you know, very, you know, serious actor from, you know, you know, from very serious movies of Kevin Spacey. He's doing Walter Matthau. He's doing Jack Lemon. He's doing Christopher Walken all in this one bit. That was really funny. So this was an interesting sort of hybrid that we had with J.J. Abrams himself actually introducing it. And then you're right, seeing the cast in it was uh, so it was sort of a hybrid. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, some sketches, especially some pre-tape sketches. They're just an excuse to cycle through different impressions. Um, I don't know that this I thought this was a fun energy, but I don't know that a lot of things hit on this one. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was a lot of like, all right, Danny DeVito is the robot. Okay. Chris Tucker kind of like what John Mayer. So I, I felt like there were very few uh, impressions that really made me laugh that I thought were funny in this. So it was, it was a little all over the place. Yeah. I thought that this was rough just because one, the comparison is not going to be favorable. It's the kind of thing where if you're going to do this, like you really need to knock it out of the park because the original yeah. one is so iconic and is so uh, beloved and is really held up and stood the test of time. And so it's like, okay, I was really excited. Okay, we're doing this great. But then, yeah, I just felt like that the impressions were flat. I didn't like the cameos either. I thought that the cameos were really, you know, shoehorned in there. I felt like it was a lot of like, oh, look who we got as opposed to 
the jokes actually being good. Yeah, and it was that weird sort of tone issue too, sort of going into it. I mean, I'm guessing what happened is there was a you know a conversation with J.J. Abrams about we should do something with SNL and what you know how can I lend the cast you know, but it's also confusing because the cast isn't these iconic people. It's not Carrie Fisher showing up. It's a guy who I only when there's this good looking black man saying what there's a I took me a minute to go. Oh, wait, that's the guy from the trailer. And then the Daisy Ridgely, I, I have no idea who she is. I thought she was uh, like, she was, I mean, it sort of struck me as a, um, what's her name? Uh, I don't know, I'm blanking on what her name is. The young Kira Knightley kind of person. But I didn't actually even know who she was. So, yeah, you're right. And then suddenly seeing Emma Stone in it, it was fun that she was willing to make fun of herself. But it was sort of like she wasn't actually doing an audition. So it was very odd. Yeah. And it was also, as uh, Mark points out in the chat, and it took a, a split second to decide, oh, wait, is that somebody doing an impression of Emma Stone or is that actually Emma Stone? Uh, and then you sort of like, OK, that's, you know, like Buble is somebody that they've done impressions of on the show. But then there's yes. the real Buble. Yeah, with no tie in with why is Michael Buble here? Um, I always love seeing John Hamm. I don't think that this was the most well written for a quick John Hamm shot. Uh, John Hamm could read the phone book and he's going to make me laugh. I don't know that this was funny, uh, as funny as I would like it to see. I didn't love the Leslie Jones bit at the end where she's a Star Trek character, not a Star Wars. But I will say, and I know that I am not being fair, but to me, the thing that just made me laugh so hard was my man Bobby as George Lucas. I thought he was, I thought it was such a cute aside, such a fun when he's like, I am not the George Lucas you were looking for. And the whole thing about Coke Zero and everything, that that really made my laugh. You know, I thought it was pretty interesting too that they have, uh, you know, Bobby Moynihan as George Lucas, kind of making fun of George Lucas a little bit that, you oh, know, yeah. he's sort of, yeah. and, you know, it's interesting because uh, there is this uh, either a feud, like I read an article where George Lucas was interviewed this weekend and he described it as sort of like a divorce as uh, where, you know, the J.J. Abrams camp did not really want him involved. And, you know, he understands that he, you know, gave up those rights to have any sort of creative freedom about or creative input on this. But they made it very clear they didn't want his ideas. And that's sort of like a divorce. And he doesn't call because you're not really supposed to keep calling uh, on a divorce. Right. And I felt like that. Uh, it seemed like the, the fact that they really had J.J. Abrams in there and then they had, uh, you know, making fun of George Lucas in there. I felt like that there was um, a, a little bit of like uh, t- tension there. Well, I can see what you mean. I think, though, I, I think that that to me, it was the funny piece of the show of the bit. I, I, you know, thank God that they went there. You know, I think that the you know, it was just it just added such a life to the bit uh, and such a funness to the bit. But you're right. It could be an interesting. Obviously, you know, they did everything that was in this piece was blessed by J.J. Abrams. There's no way that he does that opening if he hasn't blessed the pre-tape. So he obviously was aware that that was going to be there and, and obviously thought it was funny. Yeah. So interesting to uh, watch the J.J. Uh, Abrams uh, mocking uh, George Lucas stuff. OK, uh, yeah. let's bring in uh, James so we can talk about Adele. And uh, we say hello to James uh, the same way that uh, Adele says hello to all of us as we are weeping. The editor of Exclaim Magazine here is James Keist. Hello, James. How you doing, buddy? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Yes. James, are Canadian Thanksgiving as uh, controversial as uh, some of these American uh, family gatherings can be? Uh, generally, no. We're just uh, eating a lot of nuts and trying to fatten ourselves up before the 
annual hibernation that all Canadians go under. So all it's right. generally very low key. We're we're pretty sleepy. Okay. Well, James, uh, settle the score on the Adele hype right now. Uh, is it warranted? Is it overblown by SNL? Uh, I think it is. I'll say I, I see your point, Rich. I think it's warranted in the sense that Hello did break every record in the history of single sales and the record's already selling in the millions. But I agree with you, Rich, in the sense that uh, I think people are slotting this culturally into the spot that somebody like you has already enjoyed just kind of automatically. And I think that was six to 10 months before that we reached that point with that song. Yep. But I think people are just very ready to uh, pour a glass of wine and slide into the tub and uh, give the new Adele the same spot that they gave uh, the last one. Okay. Yep. Well, here is Adele. She's back to perform her uh, hello. What did you think of this rendition, James? I mean, it's pretty killer. I mean, she can sure sing and you don't, I mean, you don't need a lot of flash. You don't need anything but her singing. And uh, as whether or not you're an Adele fan and you know, I'm not, I'm not putting on Adele at the end of my day very often, but uh, it, it's kind of undeniable. Uh, just the, the power of her voice and the control that she has. And I thought there was a really the end of the song where she kind of crossed her eyes and stick after she's done, like, like I made it through and just that little kind of humanizing moment of like, Hey, yeah, you're Adele, but you're still like nervous about being on Saturday night live. Yeah. Um, and, and I think those sorts of things are what really endear her as a person to her fan. People love Adele. Yep. They really do. All right. So James, uh, what do you think of uh, musical performance number two from Adele? So when we were young is the second song. And again, like no costume change, no uh, radical sort of redesign in terms of arrangement or, or anything like that. Um, she seemed a little loose or she was a little more relaxed again. You know, it's just, I mean, you just got to sort of marvel at her ability and her voice. It's uh, she's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I, you know, Hello is the killer. And I think the reason why it works for the sketch and why it's so appealing as a song is uh, it's singable. Like, it's not the hardest song in the world to sing. It's not like, you know, some Mariah Carey uh, reaching for the high note stars. And the second song is totally fine. It's going it, to it's gonna fit in well with the album. But, uh, but I think Hello is going to be the, the signature song, at least for the next few months from Adele. Umberto in the chat has a question. Can Adele host SNL? James, do you think is that in her skill set? I thought it was curious that she didn't make a cameo appearance in the Thanksgiving sketch or in any other sketches. And I thought if either she was interested or had some acting chops that sort of now is when you what now is when you sort of start to suss out like, OK, Nicki Minaj was funny in a couple of sketches. Maybe she could host and guest uh, as the musical guest, you know, one time, I, I think they sort of try to test out those sorts of personalities by by a little cameo or something. And so I, I think if she either was interested or had any abilities, we might have seen a cameo spot. But don't you think that Adele's whole image is like gravitas? And at the point that she comes out and is funny, doesn't that hurt her brand to a degree that she's this person that you associate with sad songs? Well, there was a, a video that went viral this week of her showing up 
at a, essentially a convention of an Adele impersonators. <laughs> yes. Uh, in in like in in disguise, and then you know performing for them. So I think she has a sense of humor about herself and about her image. But uh, I agree. I think she's she's just not that interested in the public eye outside of wanting to be a singer. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I think if the if she wanted to, they would give her they would have at least put her in a cameo. There was a picture that was floating around Twitter from one of the writers of her uh, reaction to screening the Thanksgiving uh, sketch, uh, you know, the pre-tape and her laughing really hard about it. But I'm guessing that uh, that she she demurred from being on camera. I bet she's just not comfortable with it. Yeah, that's my sense. She doesn't seem particularly oriented to celebrity culture. Yeah. Okay. All right, James. Uh, do we know who the next musical guest is? Uh, young Leon Bridges. Oh, he's Young a, Leon Bridges. A, a soul sensation. He's uh, really young, like he's 23 or 24, and is a total throwback to like the early 1960s kind of Sam Cooke style. Uh, so he should be really good. Okay. All cool. right. Coming up in two weeks. All right. Talk to you then, James. Uh, talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. James Keyes at Exclaim Editor. Happy Real Thanksgiving. at exclaim editor on twitter thanks so much james all right all right right, rich let's uh work our way into weekend update uh for this week and so uh here we are Shay and Joe back together again. Yes, I thought this was a fairly good outing for Weekend Update. I feel like there were a couple of good jokes. I liked both of the guests. Um, they kept it relatively short. Um, I still don't know. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about this last week with Mr. Bloom. I still am having a real trouble sort of with the chemistry between the two. Not so much the, the likability between the two, but as I said last week, the characters like if we're if we're thinking of of Che and Jost as as fictional versions of themselves as weekend update hosts we uh, you know who are they to each other and it kind of plays like right now that that Che the character Che doesn't like Jost he's making fun of him as as uh, as a racist and having no penis and being very privileged and then the character of of Jost likes Che it, it doesn't it doesn't feel balanced it doesn't feel nuanced so i feel like we're really struggling with it so uh in this in weekend update we did a thing on syria syrian refugees and immigrants where it was basically just joe did a couple of jokes on it throws it to che che did a couple of jokes on it they both did great jokes they were both very different style jokes so that really worked for me and then the other side is we had this weird cultural exchange of jokes where che wrote a joke for jost and vice versa and i thought that didn't work at all i I didn't understand it i don't Mm -hmm. know if they really were being surprised well what do you think was it real or was that a stage thing I assume it had to be staged. I can't. I mean, we just they just did a dress rehearsal at eight o'clock. So I have to imagine that that was it was not a total surprise. They weren't just right. They weren't slipping in new jokes. If they did, they were crazy not to call it out very explicitly that we've written new jokes. The other person has not seen until now and we're going to do it. And they, they, they really would need to have sort of nailed that. And, and so I don't think it's true. And by the way, 
before the jokes were even said, I could have told you what the joke was going to be that Colin Jost read. I mean, it's it was just super and obvious like, oh, and it's going to be a joke that makes fun of Colin Jost. OK, here it comes. And and it, it, that really didn't work for me. I thought that was a real mess. Hey, well, let's talk about the Vanessa Bayer character. And this is a new weekend update uh, character for her, correct? Uh, yes. Uh, so this is a character that we saw twice in season 39 in a live sketch. Ah. Uh, they did the, uh, the, the Stefan treatment. Yes. So they basically they had she had done this character twice uh, in the Lady Gaga episode, the Jim Parsons episode. And now we're taking that character and bringing it to Weekend Update. And I thought that was a very smart move. Uh, I think the character works better in Weekend Update in the lie in the in the sketch itself. It was sort of one note and then it sort of really didn't sort of hit. It was like, okay, where do we go here? It was just really fun just to have this little 12 year old singing sensation Disney channel. Uh, uh, you know, person doing, you know, dark news, heavy stories. I thought this was really fun. Yeah, I thought this was uh, better than Jacob the Bar Mitzvah Boy. Well, way better than <laughs> Jacob the Bar Mitzvah Boy. That's for sure. Now, if we do the same exact sketch 32 more times, <laughs> then it might be the next Jacob the Bar Mitzvah Boy. But at least they at least because it's current event, they could have a lot of fun with it. And I appreciate it. We got to know a boy when she's describing HIV. She says <laughs> it's when your whole body goes, oh, boy. So I, that that made me giggle a lot. <laughs> Uh, then uh, we also had uh, the return of David Ortiz. So on paper, there is no reason I should like Big Poppy. I tend to not like anything Keenan does on Weekend Update. Oh, I think I say anything Boston. Well, I, I'm not a baseball fan. <laughs> certainly not a Boston fan. I don't even know who the real Big Poppy is. So this is like, this is stacked against it. I should hate everything about this. And I love Big Poppy. I loved it the last time. We did it two years ago on the Seth Rogen episode. And I loved it again. I think that this Keenan just brings the silliness to such a great level. And the writing, like silly is hard to do really well silly is it's easy to do silly okay but just when we get to the point of when he's advertising for a smidgen of pigeon i was just laughing so hard at that i thought that was so funny and his sponsorship of ships and and the day and the dating website go outside and just everything about that he starts giving the address of what be you what be you what be i just really funny so i just this to me was an a dumb as all get out but just really thought it was hysterical yeah you know i don't have a really good uh, recall of things that david ortiz has said so i have no idea if this is based uh, in you know reality in any way shape or form like i don't recall of, of the like things that i've heard about david ortiz and jokes about david ortiz like none of this sort of like jives with what keenan is doing but it is pretty fun yeah, it's all it's just a silly character created the energy of just oh, sorry, I'm just getting a stop that. Um, yeah, it, just when they start with the Mahunga, I it just it's just it's so dumb and it's just really great. So yeah. that I but again, I wouldn't want to see him too often. I hope we don't see him again, uh, you know, for a couple of months because it's uh, it, it could get old fast. So keep it uh, keep it fun. All right, Rich, let's talk about should you chime in on this and we would like you to chime in on this. 
Yeah, you know, I understand the answer is no. I should not chime in on this, but I will anyway. Um, I didn't love this. I thought this was sort of a message-based comedy, which, you know, it's again, comedy is so hard. If you write a sketch and it doesn't have a specific point of view and you're not trying to say something, it can just play as blah. But if you're really leading with this is the, you know, this is the message I want to get to the audience, that can be really, really hard. So I would say getting the sense of what the game was, I thought was fun. And then a minute into it, it just became for me just a little, uh, okay. It just felt okay. 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 That's, it, it didn't really go anywhere. Uh, Keenan, I thought was very funny, did a great job. You know, he's becoming sort of the, you know, sort of taking the Bill Hader role mm-hmm. as the go-to, uh, the go-to uh, game show host. Um, but, uh, but I, as I said, I bet this was early on, I bet in the, in the dress rehearsal, this was post monologue and the reaction was like, well, we don't want to cut it, but I think it's, I think we put it late in the show. Yeah. I think it started off on the right track with the Syrian refugee thing. And I think that they had like had a good point of boy, there's a lot of people on Facebook and different places that haven't really researched uh, this story and may not have all of the facts straight on either side of the take of uh, how they feel about it, but are going on and, and posting all about it. Sure. I get that. But then when we're talking about, okay, now Charlie Sheen has HIV and and the message is sort of like, hey, like, are you a doctor? Do you know anything about this? Should you be commenting on Charlie Sheen's medic? Like, uh, you know, are are we getting into, uh, you know, HIPAA violations if we talk about Charlie Sheen? And and there's a girl who wants to be on a football team. Uh, We shouldn't talk about that either. So. I think that it's the intention was good, but I think we just ran out of like hot button things to talk about. Yeah. And, and it was sort of the similar, like, you know, do I know this person? No. Do I, blah, 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 no. Yes. I'm going to make it like it, it didn't necessarily evolve all that well to go. Oh, okay. Now we're going to continue to turn this and we're going to, we're going to continue to play this in different ways. It was just like, here's another thing that people shouldn't be bothering to chime in on. And yet they are. And so I felt like that just sort of got, get a little old for me. Yeah. All right. Anything else from uh, should you chime in on this? No, I have a fun little Hillary cameo from uh, uh, from Kate McKinnon. You know, a good a, a good beat to that. Um, and again, I do like uh, I did like Keenan when he would ask the question and go. And again, a hint. The answer is no. Uh, he he really did a solid job here. Yeah. Uh, did you like Alan DeGeneres? <laughs> so odd. <laughs> so odd. Very cute. Yeah, very cute. All right. Let's talk about the return of right side of the bed. Uh, You know, typically on SNL, I feel like we have sketches that are late in the show and then they sort of graduate like uh, pre update and move forward. I feel like uh, this one is moving backwards. Yeah, I mean, this we saw this twice last season, Scarlett Johansson and Martin Freeman. um, And uh, I think it is moving later and later in the night. I I, 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 this is, I just got to give Corey and Graceland a big, uh, boy, uh, boy. I mean, it is a performance piece to watch Taron Killam. He's so funny in his performance of this character. And it's, it's such a great performance bit, but it's just, it was uh, the first time it was what the second time. And now it was just, uh, 
So uh, this one was, I, I kept looking at my watch going, is it, is it time to wrap up uh, SNL? Uh, this was a tough one for yeah. me. I do. I like the hosts. I, I think that that's yeah. fun. I like it when Kate McKinnon comes out at the end. But, you know, it's been very hit or miss with the person who's doing the cooking segment. And, well, and I thought uh, Kate McKinnon coming in as Ed Sheeran, it was a funny impression, but it was it didn't tie to anything of the of the show right side of the bed. So it was just like a it was just a random drop in kind of impression. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was just very odd for me. I, I, I'm not really sure why we're still doing this sketch. <laughs> Mike Bloom had a tweet for us. Uh, Ding, Mary kill Kate McKinnon as Keith Urban McKinnon as hosier or kate mckinnon is ed sheeran <laughs> those are three solid those are three solid impressions i gotta say she's you know and the thing i do like about these is that they you know with all of hers is they keep those short uh i can't say as as much to the keith urban i'd probably kill that one just because i'm i'm not in that world enough to know yeah now this one with the oven cleaner if it was a, yeah. a real real stretch there all right uh, yeah. let's talk about the uh the, the city hall uh amtrak meeting we're a town down at the town of benson uh you know i, I this is what i like at 1250 this is the kind of i'm not looking for right side of the bed i'm looking for you know a guy with the fake hands complaining about you know uh, about amtrak uh you know another performance piece it didn't make any sense whatsoever it it was almost pointless and yet he was really funny. Everyone else's reaction to him was very funny. Uh, we did have a Bobby Moynihan, a uh, boy, uh, which I was uh, very excited to see. Uh, that was really fun. Uh, just it just built well. It it just you know the, he starts calling the guy college, then Brooks Brothers, and then he calls he calls uh, Cecily Strong nice rack. It was just a whole like just silliness of it. I, I thought it was fun. Yeah, I for a uh, ten to one sketch or five to one sketch. Uh, Good, good job all around. Yeah, not you're not going to this is not going to play at 1142 p.m. as anything other than whatever. But by the time he pulls out the fake hand and he's waving the fake hand around, uh, it just really tickled me. Just really fun. OK, Rich, you ready to talk about McConaughey and the good nights? Good night, yeah. good night, good night, good night, good night, good night. You know, uh, generally very good. Yeah, uh, little bit of a little moat behind him. Just sort of, a, I think of a sort of a blocking thing. Uh, but just seemed very solid. He, uh, you know, we we say good night, and then he starts giving everyone. He sort of is walking around giving everyone a, a, a hug. It seemed very sort of sweet, but not overly, not a lot of energy to it. Seemed a lot of like, hey man, thanks a lot. Great working with you. Hey, it was great having you. And he was on to the next person. Sort of seemed sort of, uh, you know, call called through everybody. Um, so generally everybody seemed to be in a really good mood. It might be because they're going on break for a week, but uh, but good moods all around. Was McConaughey on to promote anything? Does he got something coming up? I don't think so, no. I mean, he certainly didn't mention anything. Um, um, but uh, but no, I think he was just just chance to do it. OK, overall, Rich, uh, where do you place the uh, McConaughey episode in the rankings for this season? I thought that this was I th thought this was definitely one of the better ones. Uh, I'm going to say I, I to me, I think Elizabeth Banks and this one were probably the two strongest so far with some real funny stuff within the Amy Schumer. Um, I mean, they all have stuff to like, but I, I would I think we're trending very well. It is weird to think that we're only six episodes in. It feels like we've been we've been back for a while. 
while, but uh, mm-hmm. I'd say I'd say that I'd say going into the Christmas break, we're trending nicely comedically. I think we're the SNL, the wind is in the sails, and we're we're heading into what could be some real funny uh, Christmas episodes. Clearly, the the nineteenth, the Christmas episode, is going to be the one that everybody's focused on. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the upcoming schedule for uh, December. This week, it was announced all three of the December shows. Uh, which are going to be uh, for SNL coming up. Uh, who is on the roster? So next week we have, I'm sorry, in two weeks, we come back with Ryan Gosling hosting, uh, promoting The Big Short, um, which will be interesting because it's mostly a dramatic movie, but it was written and based on the book, uh, but it was written and directed by uh, uh, SNL alum Adam McKay, who was the head writer for many, many years before working with Will Ferrell. So will we see a cameo there given the Adam McKay connection? Steve Carell is one of the leads. We'll see. Uh, then we have uh, the week of the 12th, we have Chris Helmsworth uh, back. And then the big Christmas episode co-hosts Tina Fey and Amy Poehler um, with musical guest as it was broken here on the podcast. Uh, thanks to Mark uh, Mark C., uh, Bruce Springsteen and the East Street Band. Wow. So that is... That is going to be a hell Merry of a show. Merry Christmas indeed. Yes. As I said, I will expect Jimmy Fallon to come up from 6C. I think that either Seth or uh, Fred comes over from 8G. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, alumni that Christmas episode. Be a fantastic show. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth, did we like him the last time he hosted? He was okay. I mean, he certainly was happy to make fun of himself. He did a Thor sketch that I thought was very cute. Uh, so he was very amicable, amiable and amicable host that didn't take himself too seriously. So I think he'll do a fine job. I think it'll it'll be good to be back. As someone in, in uh, either on Twitter we were talking about it or maybe in, in on the on the uh, Poster Rehab's webpage, uh, often when you have a very good-looking male host, there will be a lot of sketches with with Gosling and Hemsworth about the, you know, basically that person playing someone really uh, attractive, which I think we see a lot of, uh, excuse me, we see a lot of with a strong female cast. So we tend to see a lot of sketches about the hunky guy playing off the female's cast. Okay. So, uh, so we'll, that, that'll be interesting. All right. Uh, let's take a question from Chris Berger who says, uh, where in the world is good neighbor? Has there been a good neighbor video since the premiere? You know, well, of course it depends what you consider good neighbor. Uh, the, these, you know, uh, you know, is it anything that's directed by Dave McCary? You know, could you say, you know, I think that the, um, you know, last week, you know, the, um, the sketch we were just talking about, with the dad, you know, doing his own tracks that you could probably consider as a as a good neighbor sketch. So they're they're still around, you know. They're 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 still doing their thing here and there, uh, you know. Then they had Miley Cyrus. They had that piece that I'm sure you're referring to that was really funny. So, but they're they're still doing stuff. They're just not the force that I think everyone had hoped they would be. Okay. Ike Moore wants to know, will Tina and Amy take over update that week? You know, I, I said this on, I think it was on Twitter. To me, if I were Jost and Che, I would say, we're good. We're going to take an early week. We're going to take a long Christmas break. We don't want to, I mean, to do for to Jost and Jay try to do three to four minutes of comedy to then throw it to really with, with uh, Amy and Tina, they're dead. They're dead men walking. Mm -hmm. So, uh, which is probably what will happen if I were them, I would just say, we're going to take the weekend off. We'll, we'll let you guys just do it because it'll be, it would be so strong. Now, Rich, last year, was it uh, Timberlake and Fallon hosted in musical guest or co-hosted on uh, last year on Christmas? Uh, no, the Christmas episode last year was Amy Adams. Oh, uh, you're thinking of two years uh, ago. 
uh, I actually think it was three, uh, two, yeah, two years ago with Fallon was the, technically Fallon was the host and, and JT was the musical guest, although it was really a, a, a co-host situation. Yes. Uh, so do you think that we will see more people, more alumni coming back and hosting together? Um, probably not. I mean, it's a rare thing. We were talking about this on Twitter. It does happen. I mean, I think this is very specifically because they have the movie together that they are promoting. So this is less about uh, SNL trying to book them as a team uh, and more about sort of trying to promote this movie that obviously they have a lot of uh, they're, they're, they've got a lot of eggs in that basket. So there, there's really going to be a big push for that, which is also why I do think we'll see a lot of uh, we'll see a lot of alumni to sort of uh, support them in their new movie. Okay, and uh, David Allen wants to know, uh, mark it down. He says that we will see Vanessa's reporter of tomorrow character back on update before 2015 is over. Uh, the audience went nuts. Rich, are you buying or selling that? Boy, that's a good question. I can't imagine that we're going to see uh, it again in December. That feels very, very soon. But clearly coming back from the winter break, I think we'll definitely see it again. Okay. Rich, and then Scott St. Pierre wants to know, what was with the guy in the audience who turned around staring back at the camera, not clapping as uh, the camera swung from McConaughey to Adele? Did you notice this guy? Yeah, they, you know, it's it's you know, they try to give stage direction. I've seen the show uh, live twice. They they try to give stage direction. They clearly want you to not do that. Um, but obviously it's 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 live TV, so they certainly can. OK. Was that person escorted out by security? <laughs> they probably let it go. But uh, boy, getting those seats down in front, yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. Okay. He's banned for life. Wait, I forgot the other the other connection I was quickly going to make. The movie that Amy and Tina will be promoting, Sisters, was written by longtime SNL writer Paula Pell. So there's a real uh, women of SNL, uh, women power going into that. All right, Rich, anything else about this week's SNL? Uh, no, it was a good, I think it was just, a, it was a solid 90 minutes. I think it's the same way I would say about last week's. It was just, you know, you can, we can complain about individual sketches. We can complain about individual choices, but it was a fun 90 minutes. It was a fun show Be from the first sketch to the last sketch. I was laughing and, uh, that's, that's what I want in my SNL. Okay. Rich, good stuff. Looking forward to coming back post Thanksgiving. We'll be back to talk about Ryan Gosling in two weeks. Yes. Yes, the, the Christmas episodes are generally jam-packed with a lot of fun stuff. So really looking forward to it. Okay. Uh, you can follow Rich on Twitter. He's at Rich Tack on Twitter. Uh, James Keese is at Exclaim Editor. I'm at Rob Sussman. You could subscribe on postshowrecaps.com. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes for the full boat of Post Show Recaps or for just SNL. Postshowrecaps.com slash SNL iTunes. We always appreciate when you leave us comments and feedback on our iTunes page. Helps more and more people find the show. Rich, I got nothing else. That's it. We're good. Let's do it again next uh, two weeks. All right. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.